In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. I got you.
album, then I back out it as a best rapper alive, nigga. Acts about me from the bricks, billboards, rims, Grammys, the O's, the opposite. Off the air, you got a pop and chain. Selling out the garden in the day. I'm like a young Marvin in his day. I'm a hustler, homie. You a customer crony. Got some dirt on my shoulder. Could you brush it off on me? Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Wow, that was that was Jay-Z mashed up with the Grateful Dead. I always talk like I start I like to start the show with a mashup because that's what this show is. It is a mashup, and today is no better example than that because we have uh the host today of a new podcast all about Jeopardy. Uh Buzzy Cohen, who was an insanely good champion of Jeopardy. He is now hosting a new podcast called This Is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show, which is premiering today. You'll be able to listen to it right after you listen to this. And listen, Jeopardy has always been huge in my family's household. So I jumped at the chance to talk to this dude. My dad was very excited. Uh, But we have that. And then, of course, right after that, we have um, my my first reaction to the Real Housewives of Orange County season 17 trailer. So that is a mashup of a show, you guys. That is that is uh, Jeopardy mashed up with Real Housewives of Orange County. You're not going to get that anyplace else. Anyways, how the heck are you doing? This is Wednesday. You've made it halfway through the week, so you are done with the week in my book. It is smooth sailing from here, folks. Um, listen, uh, today is my birthday. Today is my birthday. It is 10 p.m. on April 25th, and... Um, listen, I feel so blessed. I, I'm usually sappy and I'm going to be sappy here once again. Uh, it's just who I am. And, uh, I, I don't apologize for that. I apologize for some of my fashion choices and yeah, that's just the fashion choices thing. But listen, I am so lucky to have so, I mean, I, 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 I don't even know how to put it in words. I've had so many people reach out to me today that it was, uh, it was overwhelming and I get overwhelmed pretty easily, but this is even, this, it was just so much. And I haven't been able to even get back to a fraction of the people. And I, you know, I would, I would read a couple of messages and I would, I would, I would, I would write back and then I would get all flustered and then I would have to throw my phone away and then I would have to do it again. And it was just, I mean, wow. Um, wow. There's nothing else to say, but wow, really, really, really very cool. And a lot of that I owe to this, you know, of course I have so many, I had so many, it's always a good reminder too, of all the people that, uh, I've known in my life, uh, even before I did any of this. And it's, you know, I, I think I've always been scared of birthdays and I think halfway through today I was like, okay, no, this is a good thing because there's so many good people out there and, and you've been a part of so many great things. And 
it did bring back all of these memories um, and a lot, I mean, uh, uh, all of them pretty good. I do want to tell you a funny story before we get into Buzzy. We're going to get right into Buzzy after this story, and then we'll get right into the trailer because, listen, I am exhausted, and I'm just going to call it a night. Um, I watched Below Deck Sailing Yacht. I watched the first three episodes of that, and that's a pretty good birthday, and I'm watching some Yellow Jackets right now. I got my dog, Brooklyn, <laughs> so couldn't go out because she's kind of got to keep an eye on her, but, uh, I didn't need to, man. I got, I got everything I need. So I'm really, really so thankful. Um, so today, so today the, uh, the birthday started out as kind of a shit show. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Brooklyn has a really bad coughing, uh, attacks in the morning. So I was up at like 6am with her and she wasn't going back down and so I was like, okay, it's up. And I had to go to my knee appointment with the orthopedic surgeon because they were going to go over my MRIs. And that was at like 9.15 in the valley. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm scared to, you know, be late for that. You never know what traffic's going to be like in Los Angeles. And then I had to rush back after that because I was interviewing Corey Kiefer from Summer House. Yeah, Corey will be on the show on Thursday, folks. The Pearl Necklace Man from Summer House. He's here on Thursday. Very exciting. But almost that didn't even happen. So I go there to the orthopedic surgeon, and he pretty much tells me exactly what I've known all along. Just more, it's just more confirmation that my knee is jacked. You got the ACL tear, you got the meniscus tear, and now the, the problem is he, there's a bunch of arthritis in my knee. My knee, I didn't even know you could get arthritis in your knee. Like, what a thing to hear on your birthday, too, is that your knee has old man arthritis. And so he, I was like, okay, so can we just, re, let's just, I was like, do we amputate? What do we do, doc? And he was like, well, maybe amputate the ACL. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But how do, and he's like, well, probably not the ACL because the, um, it's going to make it really tough with the arthritis. It's going to make that really tough. And there's a nine month recovery. And I was like, I don't give a shit about the recovery. Are you telling me I can't walk again? Like, like I can't hike again. He was like, well, we're going to do some, you know, I'm going to recommend physical therapy for six weeks, two times a week. And then we'll see where we're at. I'm like, we'll see where we're at. I was just like so bummed out. Cause I was like, I thought we'd get a little more confirmation instead of what I already knew that my knee was completely jacked, whatever. I go, okay, yeah, let's see where we go with that. I was like, do I have to wait a month for insurance to let me know if I get approved? He's like, well, we'll put it in. Hopefully it'll be a week. And I'm like, okay, but I'm going back and forth to Arizona. So I don't even know how that's going to work. Anyways, that's not your problem. The problem is then I was like, okay, I got out of there earlier than I thought. So I had time to go to Starbucks for my free birthday Starbucks drink. If you listen to Tuesday's episode with some of the cast from Jury Duty, wasn't that amazing, you guys? What a great week of shows already. So I go to Starbucks and I did what I, 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 I think I did have talked about a Patreon. I order the most expensive drink on my birthday because it's free. So I ordered like, like flipping like the, the, the Trenty, uh, Trenty cold brew with four shots of espresso, putting everything like it's like a $12 drink. I'm just like, wow. And I get it. And I'm like, okay, the birthday is turning around. And now I got to get back to talk to Corey Kiefer and, um, very, you know, so I'm, I'm getting back. I got the coffee, still frustrated about the knee, but whatever I come in, I go downstairs to the desk with the computer and I'm talking, we got like two minutes before Corey Kiefer. I I'm ready to go. I sit down, you guys, with my iced coffee, the chair I sit in breaks. My big fat ass broke this chair, not the chair, it's a new chair that I'm sitting in right now. If you hear me fall, just 
call somebody. Um, but no, I have a picture of it in the trash. The chair falls and my $10 drink spills all over me and the floor. And I, oh my shit, you not, you guys, like I, it was out of a movie. I was like, I, I got, I started tearing up like a real wussy, but I fully did. And I was like, <laughs> and then I had to turn it all off. Cause I had to interview Corey Kiefer. And luckily I got to that on time. And then after that, the birthday completely turned around because of so many of you guys and all the well wishes. And that just blew me away. Who cares about a coffee? But I will say Bridget Doherty and, um, uh, another, I have the name written down, which I'll talk, tell on Friday. They sent me Starbucks gift certificates and they didn't even know that I spilled this drink all over myself. So I was like, Damn, look at these people. I opened up my email and I had these Starbucks gift certificates. So I'm like, wow, that's, I mean, truly incredible. Um, so I just thought you would get a kick. That uh, that all happened right before I talked to Corey Kiefer, which you'll hear that interview on Thursday. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I was very... Um, in my head and in my feelings, uh, yesterday when I did, I did like a two hour Patreon Q and a, you guys. And I, the first 30 minutes I was really mopey and I'm very honest about how I'm feeling right now. And I had a really, you know, a good slash emotional conversation with my mom today. And it's just, uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that right now, but it was, it was just, there's just so many feelings wrapped up in your birthday. And I, I think you guys know this obviously as well. But the overwhelming thing that I walk away with on today is just how good it is to be loved, how good it is to love, that it is never too late, that uh, you can always fix mistakes, you can always do better, you can always try to be better, and that if you lead with your passion and if you lead with some sort of love, things will go in the right direction. And that, in the 22 years I've been on this planet, <laughs> I don't know, that, that's what I've come up with so far. I'll, I'll let you know as more things come to me. But let's get into today's show. We got Buzzy Cohen right now, and then right after that, Real Housewives of Orange County trailer reaction, which you can also watch on YouTube um, if you want to see the images of the actual trailer, but I'm assuming you've seen it by now, but I paint you a picture of the entire trailer. I'm very interested to see what you guys hear, what you guys think about this trailer as well. And that's it. You guys, thank you for everything, man. I, I thank you guys every day and I'm going to continue to thank you every day for the rest of this show, for however long that goes. So, uh, I'll talk to you bright and early on Thursday and have a great Wednesday. Bye. Good. Today we are classing up the joint. Now, I do a lot of reality television and pop culture, but there is something, uh, there is a show that lives within all of our hearts. Now, I grew up watching this show and how it worked in Kansas, and it still does in Arizona. I'm with my parents right now, is you have an hour block. You have Wheel of Fortune, which is for the dummies like me, and then you class it up and you go to Jeopardy. And Jeopardy has been a part of my family since I was growing up. Now, we just watched it with my dad the other day. I got all the pop culture questions right. I got everything else wrong, and we we were both happy because my dad got all, got all of them right. I told him we were having our next guest on, and he knew who he was immediately. <laughs> uh, our guest, though, I this is very important. He is hosting a new podcast called This Is Jeopardy, which will premiere this week, April 26th, and this is going to take listeners behind the scenes down a thought-provoking, quizzical, emotional, cheeky, and reflective journey of Jeopardy's 60 incredible years on air. Now, who better to host this 
than a winner of Jeopardy. This man had a nine-game winning streak on Jeopardy in 2016. He was one of the youngest hosts to ever host Jeopardy, uh, the Tournament of Champions. Uh, and I just cannot wait to talk to this guy. Buzzy Cohen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. That was a, that was a big intro to live up to, but I love it. Listen, I could keep going. I mean, I, I was I was looking into your, I mean, you wrote a book with Audible and you yeah. were talking about, I mean, I love your whole, uh, your whole theory or your whole about training for things, yeah. training smarter for things. Can yeah. you explain to the people what I mean by that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it was really came out of my experience of appearing on the show the first time. You know, I, like you, watch this show for my whole life. It's my favorite show on TV. And I kind of prepared the way most people do. I watched the show every night. I held a ballpoint pen and clicked along and tried to answer. <laughs> and then you get on set and you're like, oh, wow, this experience is really different from, you know, the experience of playing at home. And so what I did was like I developed a preparation program to better prepare me for the actual experience of appearing on the show. And I've been invited. I had been invited back a few times and I kind of kept developing it. And then I started working, I started training for a deadlift competition. And basically the idea is that a lot of people know they need to get ready for something, but they don't know how. So I kind of created this methodology to apply to things like, you know, interviews and public speaking and all kinds of stuff um, to help people do better at that. So that was what that Audible book was about. Which, by the way, we're going to go back to deadlifting a little bit later, but I, I got to talk about the Jeopardy experience itself yeah, because this please. is historical and you are now hosting this new podcast. This is Jeopardy. How would you describe that? I mean, I described the podcast, but how would you yeah. describe it as a fan and somebody that has been on the show? Yeah. So it's what's great about this show is that if you have someone in your life who's like, I don't get the whole Jeopardy thing. Why is it such a phenomenon? That's really the impetus for this podcast. It's like, how did this show that's been canceled a few times, um, you know, that is on. Wait, has it really been canceled a few times? Yes. yes. Why did they cancel? Was it for low rating? Well, how did they cancel this? Got to listen to the podcast. But I mean, (laughs) Alex Rebeck version is like the third version of Jeopardy that came on air. The first one, the first couple had Art Fleming, a different host. It was on NBC. And then through this, you know, like Merv Griffin, who created it, just absolutely loved Jeopardy. It was like his favorite thing that he had made. And as we know, he's a legend. He, he had made a ton of stuff. And so he always was like, I want to get be- Jeopardy back on the air. And so the version with Alex that aired in 1984 was not the first version. And there was like a ton of backlash to people that loved Art Fleming and loved the old version. So <laughs> of course, think yeah. of it as such an institution now, right? Yeah. Like Jeopardy is this thing in it, but... But, you know, it, it, it had – how did it get here? How did we get here? And that's really kind of the impetus for creating the podcast. But we also go into various stories of, um, you know, kind of moments, big moments in the show's history, you know, um, defining things or things that really brought the show from kind of like your type, like dinner time game show thing to another level. Um, yeah. And what's also great is that for someone like me – who is already a huge fan, who knows a ton about the history of the show. I learn. I'm learning so much in making this because that's what I wanted to know. Are you shocked every time you go to record this or research yeah. this? Is it just shocking? Yeah. It's I mean, I'm learning every time I'm like, oh, my God, I had no idea that there was that connection or this connection or that this is why this happened. And the other amazing thing is that, like, 
there has been a lot written about Jeopardy. You know, Claire McNear has an amazing book, yeah. um, Answers in the Form of Questions, that I definitely recommend. But what's cool about this podcast is you're hearing the voices of the people who were in those moments. So producers and uh, contestants and, you know, all kinds of people who were there making it. And so it's like it takes it to a, another level when you hear, you know, like, Alex's makeup person talking about what he was like <laughs> offset, you know, I remember well, when Alex shaved his mustache. What a, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, you know, it's great. I, I think there's like kind of three people who are going to love this or people like me who are just diehard jeopardy people. Yeah. There are people like you who are just like love media and, and like pop culture and like, how did, how is this thing? Like, you know, anytime somebody wants to appear smart, they go, Blah 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 for five hundred or you know <laughs> yeah. like, how can I get that happen? in a form of a question, Buzzy? Yeah. Exactly, you know, like that is so a part of our culture, and it's like it didn't happen overnight. And how do we get here? And then I think also just people who are interested in these sort of how things get made and how you know I listen to I've I listened to other podcasts in preparing for this, and you know there are these other you know how how does how does something like this get onto air and what's that process? What's the behind the scenes and, and how has that developed over time? I think is also really, really interesting. No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's an author I love, James Andrew Miller, who does a lot of, you know, he did the SNL book, he did the ESPN mm-hmm. book, and I'm not a sports guy, but I love those books of yeah. how they build something. There was a great yeah. book on HBO. I mean, just, I love how things are built. So I think this really appeals to such a wide range of people, but yeah. at its core, like you said, I think we love Jeopardy. It's an institution and there's a humanity behind it, which I think any good pop culture story, uh, it, it involves humanity at its core. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about for a second, and I'm sure you have a whole episode about this. What a credit to Alex Trebek that when uh, he was leaving the show, this became like a war for late night, uh, like a David Letterman versus Jay. Like people were, I mean, you were considered as a host. This, I mean, everybody wanted this job. Do you guys cover that at uh, in an episode? I cannot speak to that. I don't want to. Sorry, I had no But I will say is like what I think that showed people more than anything including the people who make the show is how important the show is in people's lives you know it was about the host it was about alex and i think the thing that i kind of learned is a alex is irreplaceable so like the idea of replacing him but also how strong of a format this show is because you put you know 10 15 different hosts in there and yeah it would you know some people did better than others some felt more natural some of it was like a little clunky but it's still Jeopardy, you know, yeah. whereas, you know, with other shows, you change the host and you're like, oh, that's not really that's not really that show that I've loved and been watching. And so I think it really speaks to um, that. I mean, gave me a real insight into like what it is about this show that keeps people coming back. Yeah. You spoke to uh, getting on the set being a very different thing. And yeah. I imagine, you know, playing at home like we all do to actually being on that set, looking at Mr. Trebek, looking at the lights. I mean, tell me, what is that? What's the deal with the buzzer? I mean, what I mean, how sure. uh, how you, trigger happy is this? Like we actually do an entire episode where we go good. into the buzzer. Um, and this is like another interesting historical thing where. The buzzer, the way the buzzer worked changed in the first season because Alex was the host, but he was also the producer. And he said, you know, this whole like people buzzing in whenever they want, it's really chaotic. It's hard for people at home to know what's going on. It's hard for me as the host to focus on reading clues when I'm also trying to look. And so the rule is that 
the buzzer is only activated when the host finishes reading the question. Okay, because I am always like, are you just hitting it the and whole so if time you buzz, while he asks? If you buzz in early, you actually get locked out for a quarter of a second. And so that's why you see people like jam. You'll see all everyone jamming on this, and it's not working. <laughs> and that's because they've all for for whatever reason they all got locked out. And what's really interesting, and I go into this a little bit in my book, and we go into it a lot on this podcast, is that it's actually activated by a person. His his nickname is the enabler because he enables this device. <laughs> but he sits there and he's watching the host, and he's got the you know the questions in front of him, so he knows what's going to get read, and he flips it on. And so it's it's a really interesting thing. He's there for the rehearsals, so everybody Man. gets you know, gets used to him. But it's it's this very sort of scientific and then also very human thing that's going on. Um, the journey of Jeopardy, I find very interesting. Could you speak to your journey in what was the audition process like? Sure. I mean, you always loved this show. How did you get on the show? How do people get on the show? Yeah, so it's changed over the years. You know, it used to be like you'd have to go somewhere and take a test, and they would come around, or you would. You would say, oh, sorry about that. All good. Let me, um, you'd 10, go somewhere. 15. Yeah. You would go somewhere and uh, take a test. It used to be you have to go somewhere and take a test or you'd send a, a postcard in, right? And then get invited for a test. Um, when I took the test, there was an online test. So you could take it from home. It was on your computer, but it was everyone in the country was taking it at the same time. So there were like three nights in a row with three different times to accommodate different time zones. Um and the way I knew about it was that I was just watching the show and somebody said, hey, want to be on the show? We're doing tests at this time. Register at Jeopardy.com. Um, the, the sort of funny, I mean, you might find this an interesting pop culture thing is that I started watching Jeopardy again. I was an early cord cutter and I started watching Jeopardy again because I, my wife and I host an Oscars. We're hosting an Oscars party and the ABC app crashed. And so I ran out to Target and bought an antenna. And so all of a sudden I had <laughs> and I could watch Jeopardy again. So I started watching again and I saw this ad. So I signed up. You take well, was a- your wife like, this is a mess. We, we've we <laughs> now addicted to Jeopardy again. Yeah. Yes, basically. And what's funny is she's like, I, I watch with you. Yeah, he's okay. She did definitely did not think I was going to do what I did. <laughs> so, um, okay. so it's a 50 question test. You, you, um, you know, just type in your answers. You have about 15 seconds per question. Um, now you can take that test anytime. It's not a special time. You can decide, all right, today I'm taking the Jeopardy test and they've figured it out. So the questions get randomized and all that. Okay. I was like, they changed the test, right? There's not yeah. like the same. Yeah. There's a questions. huge okay, pool perfect. of questions. They have uh, an algorithm to make sure that everyone's getting a different test. After that, you just wait. You don't know your score. Um, you don't know what this, if there's a score that needs, you know, I still, you know, even though I'm working with the show, I don't totally know exactly what that is. What I can tell you is that they're not just looking for a raw score of knowledge. They're looking for breath as well. They don't want somebody who didn't, doesn't know enough across a lot of stuff. You don't know what categories you're going to get that day. You had an, uh, you had an expectation. You had zero expectation though, taking these, this 50 question test, right? You just took it. You didn't expect it. It was my first time taking it. A lot of people take the test like every year and, you know, wait to get called (laughs) after that. If you do well enough or well enough, according to whatever criteria they have, you um, are invited in for an in-person audition, which is um, now partially on zoom. But at the time it was, I went to like a, a hotel lobby or a hotel meeting room and uh, another 50 question test. This one, it was handwritten and you only had seven seconds. And then you kind of played a mock game and you would, you know, converse with them. They wanted to see how well you could, 
you know, it was an audition, really. It was like, how well, you know, we yeah. know you're smart, you're here. How well can you kind of do with responding to questions and thinking on your feet? And, you know, can you buzz in and say your name clearly and all that kind of like TV stuff? So I did that. And about uh, a couple months later, I got a call and I was actually an alternate the first time because they always have one or two extra people at a taping in case something happens, somebody gets sick, somebody has a problem where for whatever reason they can't play because of uh, compliance. You know, sometimes Yeah, I heard a story recently about this woman whose dream was to get on Jeopardy. She got through the audition. She took the test, got through the audition, went there and was on stage like saying what her name was and turns out someone in her family was like a lawyer for somebody who worked for the show Sony. And they were like, can't do it. They take, I mean, one thing about the show that is, I think so important is like the integrity. And they're like, we won't, we don't want to do anything that even has a, a whiff of impropriety or that favoritism or, you know, it's, they're really, really serious. Even when, when I guest hosted, you know, I wanted to have the material a day before we were going to tape and literally like I like they won't email it to you like like somebody yeah, brought no it to my house and handed me the the question. So it's really this show is not joking around. So, yeah. And then uh, after I was an alternate, I got called in and I was, uh, you know, I got to a- appear on the show and I won and kept going. But I, I mean, a nine game winning streak when you start on that streak and people I, I mean, I know when people do they people start buzzing about you buzzy i mean people start talking about you uh what did did that play with your mind at all i mean did that put the pressure on each time you went uh went for a new game well the thing to remember is that jeopardy tapes five shows in a day so you it's it's basically a week a monday through friday each tape day so um and i taped my shows so it was two consecutive days they were actually split up they aired tournaments in between but it's happening so fast that you unless you go on like a you know one of these phenomenal streaks like we've been having in the last couple of seasons it doesn't really like hit you that this is something you're just kind of you just kind of keep going and trying to keep up with your adrenaline and and replenish it's it's really exhausting um you know thinking and literally thinking on your feet uh for that long um and it also tapes like six to eight weeks before airing so yeah, I had no idea that I, I, I knew that there would be some reaction, but I didn't know that it would be the kind of reaction that I had. And there was really nothing I could do at that point um, to to change anything about <laughs> yeah. what I had already done. It was kind of too late. You um, just had to keep quiet about the whole exactly, thing. Yeah. Exactly, um, yeah. I was watching Survivor the other week, and uh, they were talking about training going into the Survivor. I mean, they had built these things in their backyard. They were practicing. Yeah. Can you speak to it? I'm sure the, the show mentions this as well, which, by the way, I want to remind everybody, once again, the podcast is called This Is Jeopardy, premiering April 26th. You yeah. subscribe in your podcast feed. That's going to show up every time there is a new episode. And while you're at it, hit five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. <laughs> this is going to be a juggernaut of a show already, but let's help it get there on its way but i was thinking about training for this how do you train how do you know contestants train i guess speaking from your own knowledge how did you train for this so there are a couple things one everyone's like how do you learn everything you have to remember (laughs) you don't have to learn everything because jeopardy doesn't ask about everything right there's sort of the the sweet spot is things that everyone sort of knows or kind of knows or knew at one point it's really like high school maybe freshman year of college level material it's stuff we all learned but we 
didn't hold on to. And the idea is that you want it to be fun to play along at home. So if it's some really obscure thing that nobody's ever heard of, they're never going to ask that because everyone, no one on the stage is going to know and everyone at home is going to be like, what? Whereas Jeopardy tends to ask things where it's like if they're asking for who wrote, um, you know, Moon for the Misbegotten. Sorry. Uh, if they're going to say like, um, I want to make sure I have the title right. Uh, <laughs> you know, if they're going to ask who was King Lear's, is that okay if I just start this? Yeah, of course. Right? I'll got this right. Yeah. yeah. So if they're going to ask, you know, who is King Lear's daughter or one of King Lear's daughter, you know, it's Cordelia or, you know, Regan or one of these daughters. Everyone has read King Lear or heard these names, whereas they're not going to go into some deep, obscure, minor character in a yeah. Shakespeare play that isn't as well known. So the idea is that they wanted to ring a bell where even if you didn't know, you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Right. I've heard of that. I knew oh, I should have known that. And that's kind of really narrows down the material that you have to study. So there's the whole studying aspect. There's working on your buzzer timing where there are all kinds of resources. There are online apps. There's stuff like that. The other thing that I really worked on was the amount of pressure that you're under being on stage is very hard to replicate when you're relaxed at home. And so what I would do is I had my flashcards of that material that I you know alluded to where they your poor wife ask, your poor wife well, just doing flashcards with you. Wow. Well, I made it somehow worse where I would <laughs> flashcards take him to the gym and then I would give them to one of the trainers at the gym and I would like hang from a chin up bar and have them quiz me on like, you know, world capitals or uh, Super Bowl winners and stuff like that. Because when you're in that like physically stressed state, it's, you can't even spell your name, you know, like holding a plank or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, that's the closest thing I've experienced to being on the Jeopardy stage and just totally going blank. And so what I wanted to train was like, how do I oh, get I that. To that stuff, even when my mind wants to go blank and like the, my whole stress hormones are like, this is not what we're doing right now. How do I like train myself to be through that? So oh, this is like the smart Rocky. This is like, we need a training sequence of you with like, like, that's amazing. And it's like, you know, my, the idea is like, people are like, all right, I want to be really calm. And I'm like, I'm not going to be calm. I know I'm not going to be calm. So instead of trying to be calm, why don't I just get used to being stressed out and having to do this? And then I actually stole a bunch of reaction time drills from the NFL. So like, that's a similar thing where if you go too early, right? If you go too yeah. early in the NFL, it's a false start. Penalty. If you go too late, you're too late. And so it's kind of the closest thing to the Jeopardy buzzer, where if you go too early, you get penalized. If you go too late, you're too late. And so I found a bunch of the drills that those guys do to work on their reaction time. And I, and I um, use them as well to kind of work on all that. Now, the actual experience, though, did you feel that training obviously was adequate? I mean, was it an out-of-body experience? Was once you got to the second game, you're like, I'm in the flow now? Well, this, this was all when I came back for the Tournament of Champions and oh. then for All-Stars because – my first time I was like, I, I was lucky. I was like riding a high. And then I basically realized like, I'm way out of my depth. I got to get better. And I won the tournament of champions and I, I credit that win and, and how well I did to that training. So, yeah. Um, so you, by trade, you are a music supervisor, correct? Yeah. yeah. And uh, did, did that job help inform your knowledge? I mean, are you just, I mean, already is like music, just your forte. Like that's something you don't yeah. even ever have to study. I've, I've, I have never really had to study music. I, I studied, you know, classical music when I was in college. I work with pop music now. 
I would actually say that it's not necessarily in my best category because, you know, if if an average person has to come up with, you know, a new wave band or whatever, there's like three or four that come to the top of your head. And I've got like 40 that are trying to <laughs> it's something that people sometimes talk about in in the trivial world, which is called the burden of knowledge, where when you know too much stuff, um, it's harder to come up with that. Whereas like if you ask me, I'm not a big sports person. So if you ask me to name like quarterbacks, I could probably name like 10 quarterbacks. And if, you know, we narrow it down a little bit, I, you know, I'll, I'll probably come up with the answer because they're probably looking for one of the obvious ones. They're not looking for some deep cut quarterback. Um, and so in a way, sometimes not going so deep and kind of just having a, a, a more general knowledge of something can help you on the show. Uh, how you had thought and planned for your life, uh, you know, how did this completely change it? I mean, now you did the show and now you're doing this podcast, which is about to start. I mean, did this really set you on a different path or has it been like, well, everything's pretty the same, but I get to do these amazing side projects. I know you were in, I think, The Chase, the ABC reality yeah. show. Like you've been able to do these really cool side projects. How do you view how this show changed your life? I mean, it really opened up a lot of opportunities. I definitely did not think I was going to be a, an on-camera kind of person um, or on-audio kind of person in my life. And so, and I have a lot of fun doing it. Um, I like that I can do both. I, as you, as I kind of alluded to, I'm like somebody who likes to do hobbies, have hobbies. I like to um, try new things all the time, especially things that I don't have experience with. And so having a day where, you know, I'm doing a you know music supervision for a couple hours going in to record a podcast and then you know going to do something else and then coming back and you know working again it's like it, it makes everything better because i'm just more engaged and more enriched and um but it, it's definitely i think i always would have had some other stuff going on you know i used to enjoy like um flipping classic cars before I got on Jeopardy. Like I always had something yeah, you else always had something. Kind of for fun, but this is certainly one of the more fun things. And what's great about, as I'm alluded to um, game shows like the chase or Jeopardy, it's like it films a lot of shows in a very tight time. And so it's really easy for me to kind of do both. And I, I like not having to choose. I mean, I, I think I want to be a person who can do a lot of things and get a lot done. It seems like you are a person that does a lot of things. You you also are completely recognizable. Do you, I mean do do you get recognized a lot still? Because this has a deep fan base that I would imagine you do, especially in Los Angeles. Um, well, it's interesting. You know, we're we're coming out of three years where I was always wearing a mask out. In Very public. true. Very true. So um, I did not get recognized as much then, obviously. Um, I get recognized once in a while. It's really fun. I mean, one thing that is great about this show, and I'm, and it's probably different from the other stuff that you are generally covering, is that if people recognize you from being on Jeopardy, it's generally a great thing. It's like you yeah. are a smart person. Exactly. You yes. know, it's like <laughs> as opposed to most other reality or yeah, you're you know, not a real housewife. You didn't say a flip a table on I somebody. Didn't flip a table. You have I knowledge. Didn't, like, pee my pants i didn't you know get too Give drunk at the rose Give ceremony yeah exactly <laughs> um so you know it's like I, it's there are a few things still I, I would say still left in our culture where it's like having that kind of being in everyone's house and being recognized is just a purely positive thing and it's really great to be a part of one of those things 
Now, as we start winding down, I want to talk a little bit more about the show yeah. in terms of what can we expect from these episodes? Yeah. I know you don't want to give too much away, but what can the listeners expect out of this? So every episode is kind of a different thing. We're trying to focus on major aspects, touch points, uh, inflection points in the history of the show. It's really about how did we get from there to here? How did we get from basically the quiz show crisis of the 50s, the quiz show scandals, you know, with, that was covered in the movie Quiz Show. Well, quiz Show, yeah. How do we get from there to Merv and his wife really coming up with this format that was just another one of dozens of game shows? I mean, game shows were the bread and butter of these networks to, you know, Jeopardy being so hallowed that people, you know, feel like who whoever is hosting it needs to, you know, be this representative of something so important. And I think what we're doing is we're looking at, you know, how the show was created. Those, the first iteration of the show Al, you know, there's a couple episodes on Alex cause he's such an important part. We take you behind the scenes to a day along with contestants. We dive into the buzzer. It's like everything that people have wondered, like how do, how do they write this show? Like, how does this, how does a, a game of material come together? And we kind of go in, we really put you there with the people that are doing it. And then my role is really to help contextualize that information. So it's a lot. What, what I'm really excited about is how much, you know, primary source there really is in this. Uh, we yeah, really I mean, this is fully authorized. Yeah. You, you know, you have access to everything. Yeah. Um, you were talking about changes uh, in the show over the last, you know, over the decades since it's been here. What is the most recent change to Jeopardy aside from hosts and things like that? Yeah. Do they continually institute new rules? Well, there, you know, there are always, what I think is so great about where the show is going is one, there's more Jeopardy going on now than there ever has been. There's, you know, primetime celebrity, there's masters, there's uh, more primetime Jeopardy coming up, plus the regular show. And everyone who's there is just like, how, what else do we want to do? So I think what that has created is opportunities to try little things that like don't break what makes Jeopardy great. But it's like, hey, what if we tried this? So, you know, they're talking about do we make it so that the viewers can see the category along with the clue on the screen? Is there a way that um, maybe there's a second screen experience where you're seeing data on who's buzzing in? what the scores are doing because there there's live data on who's trying to buzz in and when they're getting in and correct and incorrect. There's all kinds of stuff like that. So <laughs> they're really, what, what's, what's so great though, is that they're kind of like trying these little things out um, without changing what it is that makes us tune in every night. And so I think it's in really good hands. There's a great team that loves this show and just wants to make it better and great hosts that are just going to continue carrying this, legacy and so what you know our podcast is really mining what is that legacy and then what i'm once you know that you'll see how the people that are making the show right now are just doing it such a service in bringing it to more people than ever before which is that human level, which is yeah. what we want to really see. I want a yeah. commentary track of you just like, he did a very smart move here. He did the Daily Double. He, you know, like, I would love yeah. commentary track. I would love the whole well, thing. There is another <laughs> podcast called Inside Jeopardy that is already out. And uh, me and one of the, uh, you know, some of the producers were on that every week. And we go back through the previous week's games. And it's kind of like a recap of what's going on in the world of Jeopardy as well as that kind of like, hey, this Daily Double may have seemed like a bad wager, but it's actually very savvy, and here's why. 
So it's amazing. If that's your thing. Then we've got that for you as well. Two final questions. What, uh, what do you, uh, what was your weakness in terms of your own categories? Like my weakness is this type of category in terms right. of jeopardy. I would say sports. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up in a big sports house. Uh, my dad owned a clothing store and in his free time, he was more of like an artist. Uh, my mom loves golf. Golf was kind of the only sport. My dad also loves golf. Golf was kind of the only sport that was going on in my house. Um, but you know, there sports is such a huge amount of information that if you're not living it, it's really hard to kind of catch up. And I think that's why, you know, there are these infamous moments, uh, you know, that kind of go viral when three Jeopardy people just stand there and don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sorry, don't know a thing about sports. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then finally, what are you loving about the, uh, podcasting itself i mean i think this is such a unique form that has just started in the last 15 years so what do you like about it i mean what's great about this podcast is that we are really i I mean i have a great team that i'm working with at at sony music that it's like you know i feel like i'm in a movie with the like reporters team and we're going out and we're researching and there it's so it's so well resourced but then i also have opportunities because of my unique experience you know it's like there's a handful of people that have, you know, been fans of the show, been contestants and gotten to host that can bring that to bear. And so it's fun that I get to kind of both present something that is a very formal sort of presentation of information, but do it as myself. And I think that that is a really unique thing to podcasting, right? Like if yeah. you're a reporter for, you know, some sort of news outlet, it's like you, there's a formality to that, right? And what's great about this is it's like, because it's a little more informal, I get to kind of share parts of myself and and I think really connect with fans of the show in a different way than I would if I was, you know, doing a, a five-part CNN, you know, series yeah, yeah, yeah. on it. Well, I mean, you are the perfect host for this. You guys, once again, the podcast is called This Is Jeopardy! Exclamation point, April 26th. You, you will be able to listen to the first episode right after you hear this. Go listen to it right now. Uh, I, I'm so excited to listen to this. I am subscribing. I will be listening. And I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you for making my dad proud of me finally. Yes. I was like, wow. <laughs> he was like... You're doing something with your life. But uh, Buzzy <laughs> Cohen, I, I hope I'll get to talk to you down the line somewhere else. Because, oh, wait, wait, real quick. What's your favorite? Uh, what are you watching on TV right now? And what's uh, what's your favorite music right now? Okay. In terms of pop culture. I am watching uh, Star Trek Picard. Oh, uh, yeah. My buddy Todd Stashwick's one of the captains on it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I'm watching that. And in terms of music, I have two young daughters. And so all <laughs> I'm allowed to listen to. I mean, you know, my day job, I'm like doing the whole thing. But um uh, I'm it's Taylor Swift all, all, day all <laughs> car, so well, it's it's good, they, they have a good taste. Um, Buzzy yeah. Cohen, this is Jeopardy, April 26th, and thank you so much for being here, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you, anytime, Buzzy Cohen, ladies and gentlemen. Go check out that podcast right now. I, I think you'll really, really, really dig it, folks. Summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts, I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer, and I got to tell.
tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, here is my initial reactions to the Real Housewives of Orange County Season 17 trailer. Welcome to So Bad It's Good. Today is a monumentous day. Uh, not only is it my birthday, thank you, thank you, please hold your applause, sit down, this is YouTube, please, uh, but we finally, we've been waiting what seems like a hundred thousand years, we finally got the Real Housewives of Orange County Season 17 trailer. Okay, now this is premiering June 7th on Bravo, it cannot come soon enough, that is going to be Wednesdays, and I want you to really think about that, Wednesdays, June 7th. What does that tell us? That tells us that Vanderpump Rules will be over or they will, you know, that will be some of the reunion right at June 7th. My prediction is that they will have the last reunion on June 7th and then tag on OC with it. That's my prediction. Who knows if I'm correct, but just mentally prepare yourself to leave Scandaval and go to the very, very sunny perhaps politically backwards, Orange County, to visit all of our old friends in the OC. Now, we're going to go through this trailer. It's two minutes of goodness, but we got we to gotta talk about it before we start in the sense of what did you guys think? Drop it in the comments what you think. Um, but my overall reaction was what I've been talking about on the show. Now, I heard a while back that they had had this trailer done for a quite a while, and that it was okay, you know, that it was okay. We're excited to have Tamara back. It's great to see Shannon back. It, you know, it's, it's, it, I always say it, it's like that first day of like, you know, going back to school after the summer break and you get to see all your old friends and you're really excited to see how they look, how they've changed. And then you settle in and see what actually the season is. Now, this, of course, is just teasing the season, but. You know, what did we get from this? We, we, there's a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling. My initial reaction is I'm going to watch the entire season, of course, and so are you. But it didn't have those moments. There were moments that I personally enjoyed, like John Jansen popping up. Just I just enjoyed a John Jansen scene with Shannon Bedore. And of course, you had the very end, the jump scare with the OG of the OC, Vicky Gunvalson. I mean, 
that is a living legend, and she really gave us what we were all after, is just an insane scream to add to all of the pantheon of insane screams that she's had up to this date. But it left me wanting more in terms of I still don't know what the overall theme is. Now, the naysayer in me is scared because I get scared that there's not real... I want real stakes. I want real relationships. I don't want people that don't hang off, hang out on the off season, and then they throw them together when the cameras go, and they're like, "Okay, just find a way to fight." I want real stakes here, and um, my hope is that a lot of that stuff was not shown in the trailer, but you're going to see that in the actual season. Now, I feel like OC last season started off strong, and I think it petered out throughout the season, but this is a legendary show. I mean, it's 17 seasons. I had to correct myself. I had to like look. I was like, am I really saying season 17? And it really was season 17. That's This is the first Housewives show, so you have to pay it respect. So let's go through this trailer. We'll stop start it at some of the moments. Um, and I'm really excited to hear what you guys think about this as well. So here we go. Let me just add this right now. Okay. Housewives have the most important job in the world. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. Housewives have the most important job in the world. Now, all of a sudden, we realize they're using, uh, you know, like a bit. They're using a way to get us into the season. Uh, sometimes I don't prefer these where they're, they're actually like paying homage to like the 1950s, like this is how to be a housewife. And it has that voice. It has the black and white, um, you know, stock footage from the 1950s housewives. So it's, it's clever, but I don't need clever. I want to see real things. So it's cute. But upon second and third viewing, I was like, get rid of this stuff. I want to see the people. So finally, when we see right here in this black and white footage, you finally see Tamara pop up in this montage. I'm like, okay, here, this is exactly, this is, this is what I'm looking for right here. Must know how to cook. It's not supposed to look like that. Clean and care for her kids. So we get reintroduced to Gina and Emily. Poor Gina, man. I just, Emily, you know, we see their families and stuff. You know, Gina's had one of the toughest roads to hoe on this uh, OC because she started off as, you know, there was like a casita Gina and now she's moved to a condo. And then last, you know, last year she had to really be sucker punched by the enormity of Heather DeBro's like insane mansion. Um, so I always feel like it's some sort of wish fulfillment for Gina. And Gina seems like an awesome person, but still, even in this trailer, she immediately seems out of place. And that's from a Gina fan. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but we're still in the black and white stock footage. Got it. Hold on. She must be a companion to her husband. Ow. Dress in tasteful attire. Okay. Right there, we get introduced once again to Heather and Terry DeBro. Terry is in a wheelchair and they, you know, Heather pushes him into some sort of wall and he's like, ow. I don't know, you guys. I don't know. Heather and Terry... I really liked seeing them back last season, and it was great, that party at the mansion where they threw away $35,000 worth of sushi, but immediately I had a reaction when they came on screen, and I don't know if it was the best reaction. It was okay. Also, in this black and white, if you're if you're watching this on YouTube right now, you see Emily in this blonde wig, which leads us to believe, because we see many shots of the women in wigs during this trailer, and you come to realize that they must have had a wig night. Now, I always get scared when there is on these houses 
Housewives or Summer House, they have themes. Summer House kind of does this the best, but even they can be heavy handed with it. But you always I get worried when there's like props and stuff. Because I'm like, the real relationship should be enough to carry it. We don't need stock footage of the 50s. We don't need women in wigs. We got some of the best ladies out there. I just want to know about you guys. But we see the wigs. It's all fun. We still have the 1950s music playing. Drink in moderation. By by the way, uh, Emily just showed her nipple and it was blacked out or blurred out. So great. And then we're seeing drink in moderation. We're seeing women pound drinks. And I think that is Tamara or Shannon eating whatever that is. That might be a brown. It could be anything, really. Demonstrate good manners. She could f*** And foster a peaceful... Okay, Tamara is back, right? And a lot of us really are thankful for that. But then I notice, even in this trailer, Tamara was saying, like, every... Every line in the book, you know, like, she can go, fuck a duck. She can... Da, 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 da. And I was like... You know, don't be so concerned with saying the right things at the right time that'll be on the t-shirt. Just be you. I know I might seem negative right now, but I'm truly looking forward to this. But I just, it was just something that I noticed. I don't know if you guys noticed it too, but Tamara is already speaking in talking head speak and t-shirt speak. And I hope, I hope that is not the case for the entirety of the season. Environment. You're sitting at this table calling me a pussy. And of course, calling me a pussy. This season on the. Okay, we all of a sudden go from black and white, you guys, to the bright colors of OC. The the sun is shining, the green grass, the ocean water. And Emily says, this season on Real Housewives of Orange County. And we cut to this shot of Emily, uh, Tamara, and the new lady, which, by the way, you guys, we have a new lady with us. Uh, her name is, I'm getting to it right now, uh, her name is Jennifer Padronti. Jennifer Padronti. So remember that name. She is our new housewife, and she pops up a lot in this trailer. So they're, they're running on a slip and slide. Woo! Then all of a sudden we're white water rafting. Like, what? Then Emily smashes cake into somebody. Somebody falls on a chair. Shannon slaps Heather DeBro with some kind of food. Then this is another worry, you guys. All of a sudden, we go to an R, like a like an ATV vehicle in the the forest area, the forest region, and everybody's in cowboy hats. And I'm like, damn! Once again, we don't need these themes. You see, and by the way, we we finally, uh, <laughs> sorry, we finally get our first appearance of Taylor Armstrong, of course known most from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and of course Girls Trip, but she is now in Sunny OC and she has a, a cowboy hat on, Tamara does, but it also makes it it, it, it harkens back to the Vicky Gunvalson. <laughs> Remember when they flipped over in the ATV and I thought Vicky broke her neck? It was a harrowing experience for everybody. So all of a sudden we see them in the woods with cowboy hats on. Here we go. Okay, sorry. I, I cut off Tamara when she said, it's in my ass, asshole, I believe. But we see Tamara 
Uh, and we see Eddie Judge, Eddie from Cut Fitness, rest in peace, Cut Fitness. It closes during this season, which I actually am interested in watching that. I'm not like interested in a personal, like I want that place to close, but I think that could potentially be a good storyline of Eddie crying about like around a bunch of free weights or something. But we see Eddie, you know, picking up Tamara, by the way, you know, I think we all think of Eddie and Tamara's most iconic scene is the scene that scares the living shit out of me is when they take the bubble bath, the sexy bubble bath with the champagne. And I, I've talked, I talked about this in the first episode of so bad. It's good where you just felt so bad for that cameraman who was like, he was just going to job. He has a family. He's going to a job for the day. And all of a sudden they're like, you're going to be in the bathroom with Tamara and Eddie. They're going to get have sexy time and like mood lighting and candles. You're going to watch him strip and try to be sexy underwater. And like the, uh, like a, like a mini tub. And I just always felt bad for that guy. Cause you could see him in like the, you probably like the, I can just picture how he looks like a t-shirt, a little punch belly, probably some cargo shorts. And he's just like, what the hell has happened to my life? But anyway, she's like, I'm back bitches. How many times in housewives shows have we heard that line? I feel like we could have a super cut of housewives going, I'm back bitches. Is that something that they make the housewives say when they come back? Anyways, we get Tamara saying it right here. You're an entrepreneur. I'm just trying to make sure you're happy. Mark. <laughs> if yoga. Wait, why? And all of a sudden that, <laughs> I mean, that's real. I didn't expect to see Mark Cuban from Shark Tank. Uh, you know, uh, I really, Mark Cuban talking to Heather Dubro, and I'm like, what is Heather Dubro? What are we selling? What is Heather selling this? Every year, Heather is selling something like, is it going to be leeches this year? Is it some kind of new, like a Ozempic, like a Terry Zempic or something? But to see Mark Cuban all of a sudden pop up, I'm like, damn, like, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm like, is Mark okay? Or is this like a get for, I, I'm very confused, but also then we get Jennifer Pendretti, the new cast member here in this footage right here. You can give me a Jennifer body. Well, she has fake boobs. Get in there, motorboat. Okay, they're riding a bull, going into the water. Woman and a human. You are good at the cheesy stuff. I don't mean to be cheesy. I am over everything. Okay, so that was Gina telling the new cast member, you're good at the cheesy stuff because Jennifer Pendretti gave Gina a compliment. And if somebody gives Gina a compliment, I think Gina should just be like, oh, wow, thank you. But she's like, you are good at the cheesy stuff. Ah! And then we see Gina, we cut to a scene with her in bed where she's talking about being over something. Don't say you're over things that you're not. You're going to. Okay, she says she's being over something. And then Travis... Uh, are they are they engaged now? Or tra- Travis, this sh- like a shy, gentle king. He's wearing a baseball cap in bed. Uh, I admire, and he's like, "You're." Sa- he's got such a tiny voice. He's like, "You're saying you're very. You're saying you're saying you're very tired of." And then we cut to uh, Gina and Heather Dubro in a muddy SUV or muddy ATV. Drive him away with that. Do you guys want to get married? So wait, right there, what happened is that. Heather Dubro said, you're going to drive him away with that. And Gina was crying. So obviously there must be trouble in paradise with, with Trav, with baseball hat Travis. And then all of a sudden we cut to John Jansen. I'm John Jansen. John Jansen. If you even look at this, if you're watching that on YouTube, if you look at this, this man is one of the most contained, angry men I've ever seen in my life. I've met him at BravoCon. Very nice. But I felt like with any wrong move, he was going to karate chop me. Like, And I always feel like there's an intense rage within inside John Jansen where he always just wants to scream out, I'm John Jansen! I'm John Jansen! And him and Shannon Bedore together 
cute couple, right? But I, I think they're one of those couples that professionally drink together. And maybe it's good that they're separated because remember that wedding, the renewal, uh, the renewal ceremony of Bronwyn Wyndham Burke and her husband uh, at the time. They did that renewal ceremony, which obviously didn't take. And they just kept walking back to their hotel room with their kids, going into the bathroom, getting ice and pouring tequila. And I was like, those guys are professional drinkers. I've seen it before. They just drink probably from like, like 2 p.m. It's 5 p.m. somewhere and they just start. Anyways, we see John Jansen right here and all of a sudden questions start to arise about their relationship, reminding you that they broke up after cameras went down. Boo, John Jansen, boo. Everyone we talk about my relationship. I'm out. Stop. Stop with me. Okay, so in this scene, Shannon was like, everybody can talk about my relate. Nobody can talk about my relationship. And she has this horrible D Snyder crimped hair. D Snyder, of course, from the heavy metal band Twisted Sister from the 80s. And she's like, I'm out. I'm out. Which, by the way, you know, now we're such a sophisticated audience. We're so used to housewives walking out on things and a cameraman walking towards them in dim lighting of like, I'm out. I tell you, everybody's talking about my relationship. I'm not a crazy person. What are you Come doing here. right now? My favorite thing. I heard that you had an affair. Is he a cheater? Yes. Has he been faithful to you? I'm excited. Okay, so real quick, I think that was a little bit blurry, but that was Jennifer Pendrati talking about her relationship. And I love, there was a quick cut to her boy, her husband or her boyfriend grabbing the meat of her butt, buttocks, uh, grabbing her butt. And then they had that little quick conversation in cowboy hats where, you know, it's like, have you been faithful to, to, you know, has he been faithful to you? And she says he has not. Have you been faithful to him? And then we cut to him with a volleyball all ripped up like he's in Top Gun or something. So I think the, you know, they're wanting us to know that this guy, this guy has abs. This guy's dangerous. Women like this guy. Then we cut to Jennifer and Tamara in this car. I'm excited to meet your Okay, so that was the big arrival of Taylor Armstrong with uh, Tamara saying, I want you to meet my friend to Jennifer Medrati, and they open the door, and it's Taylor Flippin' Armstrong. Iconic, legendary, great appearance on Girls Trip Season 2, but can she bring it here? We cut to Taylor Armstrong in a cowboy hat. Did she talk my career? F*** you. You're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar! You're coming on. Okay, so Heather Dubrow says... Did she shit talk my career? And then we cut to Tamara going, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. Very loud and animated. And Shannon Bedore says, you're becoming unhinged. They're obviously on a boat. In this freeze frame shot here, Emily looks like she potentially is seasick, but who knows? I thought we were friends. I guess I was wrong. Okay, that was, uh, that was Emily Simpson in a bad wig, must have been that wig party day, whatever episode that will be, talking to Heather Dubrow, also in a bad wig, but it's probably a bad, expensive wig for Heather. And she's like, I thought you were my friend, but I was wrong. And she's crying towards Heather Dubrow. And then we cut to a separate clip of Shannon Dubrow, Shannon Bedore crying in a red dress of like something like, everything's a mess. This has nothing to do with me. She should watch herself. You want to I'm gonna watch it. You want to come watch it? Being a housewife is a challenging. You did look like a wheel trainer. Demanding. You and I pinky promised. And thankless job. You can hold one hand out and the other and see which one fills up with apology first. 
Okay, so there was a lot that just happened in that uh, section. I don't really know. Uh, there's just a lot more wigs, more wig work. We have a, a a luncheon of some sort at a table on the beach. It looks like with all the ladies screaming at each other. Tamra throws a napkin, I believe, in Jennifer Bendrati's face. That's the other thing too. So you got Tamra going liar, 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 liar. I'm back, bitches, throwing a thing. And I just hope these are all rooted in some sort of reality. I hate to be a buzzkill, but you want things that are rooted in reality. So I hope it just doesn't. It's not all of a sudden where Tamra's like, "Why did she just throw that napkin? Why is she screaming that loud?" I hope it's all grounded in some sort of you know foundational where you're like, "Oh, this is based on real relationships." That's what I really hope. And then we cut to Gina saying some malarkey that nobody can understand. And I believe it was Jennifer Bendrati giving her a look like, what the hell did you just say? So at the end of the day, always make nope. sure to put your best face forward. Oh my God, you guys. So then it cuts back to the 1950s. Do, 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 do. So always put your best face forward. And then there's a knock at the door. They cut to a door. The door opens and Vicky goes, ah, and screams, which is a very legendary Vicky thing to do. But it was a great way to end the trailer. But it's also the way they end a lot of the trailers for like the Conjuring movies. You know, it's like a very jump scare. If you saw that in the movie theater, you'd piss yourself. So this was uh, this was great. What did you guys think about it? I'm really excited to have this back on June 7th, Wednesday. I think it, it looks I mean, it looks as good as I think we 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 can hope. I don't know. Like I. There is something missing, but I hope that is cleared up in the actual series. But it was very exciting. We've been promised this trailer, and this trailer's been talked about for so damn long. And um, we finally got it. So, most importantly, what do you guys think? Will you be watching? I'm sure you will be. But I hope we have a great season. And I hope bringing back Tamara, having Vicky as a friend of... Um, you know, having uh, Taylor Armstrong there. I mean, it seems like they're throwing everything at the ceiling. So hopefully it really, really pays off. I also wanted to show you or tell you from the Bravo website, uh, some of the bios. Jennifer Bendrati, it says, brought into the group through Tamara, new housewife and yoga studio owner Jennifer Bendrati is a mother of five, damn, with children ranging from five to 18. A strong advocate for fostering children and animals, she recently adopted her youngest child, Dominic. She is currently navigating her recent split from her husband, Will, okay, who runs her family business as they share a home. Her alleged affair with her new boyfriend and cut fitness member, Ryan, we We've got a cut fitness connection. I should have read this before I did the cut fitness member. Ryan has been the subject of the gossip mill in town. Her friendship with Tamara is put to the test as she is forced to explain the rumors and confront difficult truths. So now we know what that little scene of the trailer meant. Uh, Emily's bio says with her husband, Shane, by the way, the Shane erasure in this trailer is uncalled for. We need Shane. We need Emily's husband, Shane, so desperately. We finally grown to accept him kind of like we did with PK. I need some Shane scenes. He is now working as a full-time lawyer, or at least he's telling Emily that. No, just Emily fulfills her dream of being a stay-at-home mom. That's not funny. As she supports, as she supports Annabelle's modeling aspirations while continuing to help the wrongly convicted as part of the California Innocence Project. In a turn of events, Emily reconnects with Tamara, 
<laughs> and the two develop a close friendship after working through their tumultuous past. Never leaving room for unanswered questions, she seeks the truth from all of her friends, but she finds herself in hot water with Shannon and Heather when she shares her own opinions. Okay, that's interesting. Now, Gina and her boyfriend, Travis, okay, just boyfriend, join forces in real estate. Watch out, selling Sunset and selling OC. Gina's on the case, hoping to be a dynamic duo. What if they, what if they sold just casitas? They just did rent, like casita sales um but first she has to pass the exam and get her license okay so she doesn't even have the real estate license yet when one of the ladies tells a story about infidelity it sets gina back emotionally and she is forced to deal with repressed emotions about her ex's affair she's informed that her style of friendship is not up to heather's standards but as gina works to prove her loyalty she feels continually shut down gina feels having tamra back in the group is complicating her bond with the women and when she gets involved in the chatter about Shannon's relationship, her past comes back to haunt her. What does that even mean? Oh my God. Heather to bros, twins are off to college. She embraces a new chapter in her life, making more money, I guess. Heather is determined to dive back into her acting career and launch a new business venture. But she questions whether she can accomplish it. Planning for the future, Harry and her husband, Terry, get a penthouse in Los Angeles with the ladies, Heather lands herself in the middle of a Tamara-Shannon feud, but when they finally reconcile, she wonders when, where she fits in between their friendship. Now, Shannon Bador, um, you know, she's trying to keep the positive energy, it says. Once Tamara and Shannon clear the air, it makes way for the Trace Amigas to reunite. Wow. It's like the Beatles coming back together. Um, as the OG of the OC, Vicky Gunvalson joins for the fun tequila and keg stands. When the group brings up concerns about the status of her relationship with John Jansen, Shannon continually reassures them everything's fine. The spotlight on her relationship makes Shannon question who she can trust in the group. As she whisper, as, as the whispers become louder, things quickly take a turn for the worse during a long weekend in Mexico as she struggles to keep her relationship afloat. And now Tamara Judge is back after a two-year hiatus with a new perspective and is ready to repair a few broken friendships. After almost 10 years in business, Tamara and her husband, Eddie, close their beloved gym, Cut Fitness. Tamara comes in hot, and her reconciliation with Shannon does not go as planned. Tamara's holding everyone accountable, especially her friend Jennifer Pendrati, but when the narrative doesn't add up, it leads to some explosive confrontations. I'm very reassured that they did not mention anything about... Twats, two T's in the pod. And with her new friend, Freddie Mellencamp, they're ready to turn the OC into one of the podcasting hubs of the United States of America. Anywho, folks, that was Real Housewives of Orange County, June 7th. We will be talking about it on this show. So get ready. And I'm excited. I will, uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. Betches.